genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one vision of the future at a time. Ooh. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us again today is Gary Rumby. Hi. Hello, hello. So today we're talking about Minute 38, which starts with Mary finishing his line from yesterday. He's a chuck. <laughs> and ends with a close-up on Arwen's kind of stunned face. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'd be stunned, too, I think. You were just... Minding your business? Yeah, minding your business. And you look up to see an older version of the man you love holding a small child in the middle of the forest. (laughs) (laughs) What? Is this a... Is is this, like, a rare occurrence? Like, is this the first... I would hope so. How often does Arwen see the future? Is this what it's like for Elrond when he's like predicting what's going to happen? Right? He's just like making breakfast he's and he's just like, oh God, no. Oh, not again. <laughs> yeah. He has, he has a vision of the baby being made and he's just like, no, oh, no. no! <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Oh my god. Just minding his own business. That's why he's so grumpy all the time. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That's crass. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I went there. Yep. (laughs) You sure did. Or, like, what do you think triggers this vision? Sadness. Yeah? I don't know. I don't know. I... The implication I get uh, from kind of the rest of the scene, the rest of this week and the scene that we're going to lead into with her and Elrond is that this is probably the first of these visions she's had. Mm. Like this might be the first time she's seen the future like the, like at all. Yeah. I don't really know. Like this is this is out of place for her. And Elrond yeah. is Elrond sees things all the time, I guess. Yeah, because she talks to him about it, about, like, she she tells him, I mean, we'll get, this is tomorrow, but she confronts him because she knows that he sees the future like this. Presumably like this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So this, uh, I have some notes about stuff that didn't make it into the movie. Okay. That they had originally uh, planned out. So there was going to be a transition into this sequence. This was going to be uh, originally in Two Towers, this scene of uh, Arwen through the forest. And originally it was going to lead off of a conversation between Legolas and Treebeard about basically magic leaving the world and they're not going to be a place left for creatures like the Ents and the Elves anymore. Mm. Like the two of them understand, but no one else in the Fellowship really does. Yeah. That like things are kind of going to be ending for all the magical creatures soon. All the magical peoples. Yeah. And then we were going to lead into this scene with Arwen in the forest, like on her way to the ship. But they decided they wanted to move uh, most of this Arwen stuff into Return of the King and just kind of leave whether or not Arwen was leaving uh, unresolved by the end of that movie. And make mm-hmm. it part of Aragorn and Arwen's like drama for this movie. 
you mean um, move they, with two towers? Yeah, move, move, the, move it, it out of... Well? Yeah, leave... Like, leave the... Uh, whether or not Arwen was going to turn around story thread unresolved in two towers and push it into this movie. So that there's, like, more... There's more buy-in on the whole Eowyn, Aragorn thing if you leave the Arwen story th- thread unresolved until the third movie. Yeah. Especially for people who have like haven't read the books. Yeah. And you don't always know what directors are going to do in an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have to do their best to kind of lead you along and make you think that some things aren't going to be the same so that you can stay interested in the drama and the way the story is unfolding instead of constantly looking ahead for what you want to see out of the adaptation. An adaptation is successful if it gets you to play along, even if you know where it's going to end. Yeah. I do like the idea of this vision happening with the context of the Treebeard conversation, though. Because it's like, yeah, this won't necessarily be a place for people like us, but there is still a future here. In, yeah, in it, it, like, her it son. It leads into, like, in... a certain kind of optimism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Whereas I think here it's still fraught, you know, there's a, or maybe just because of the scoring here and her reaction to what she's seeing, but there's a lot more of a sadness in this vision, at least as I see it. I don't know. The score is very sad. It It doesn't have like a, it doesn't have a like an optimistic score or anything that would hint towards this being like, like uh, things are going to be positive. Okay. It's just, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really, it's uh really dramatic in a like understated kind of way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of the, the sadness for her and, and um, with Elrond, especially like in order for this, future to happen she needs to um like give up being an elf basically yeah she needs to abandon her her family so like and not only that like the whole journey to the the ships thing like she she like goes to like quote-unquote elf heaven but she doesn't really like die in the 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 sense of of like how death works for humans but like in order for her to have um this this son um she's she'll die eventually yeah she'll die a mortal death yeah so i think there's some of the that sadness but elrond you know and elrond's kind of sadness is over elrond's sadness is kind of over like not knowing how long she's going to have to live on and bear that without him you know right and how long she's going to have to be alone after Aragorn passes naturally. Right. Yeah. But, like, that's discounting the, the love that she would have for, like, her children and her grandchildren. Right. Mm-hmm. So, that's true. Because Elrond is, is a selfish man. He is. And men are weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a This is a really pretty forest path. This is a real forest in New Zealand. It's about an hour outside of uh, Wellington, I think they said. Mm. Um, And some of this was done in reshoots. Mm. So, like always, 
I can't tell where they are. Is it, yeah, is it supposed to be the forest that Frodo and Sam see those elves in? in I think so. Fellowship? Because it looks It looks similar. similar. It's like younger yeah. growth trees. They're a little sparser. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't look as old as some of the other forests they did filming in. It doesn't look, uh, like, it doesn't look quite like Lorien or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a nice place. The I'm always impressed at how well uh, digital grading and lighting can look in a lot of outdoor places without like things don't often look like washed out or artificial or the lighting i'm always i'm always really impressed just how good outdoor outdoor filming can be Mm. because yeah if anyone's ever tried to just like take pictures outside with even like a high quality camera sometimes you just get shots that are butts (laughs) so it's like good on you yeah it's really it's really pretty here yeah. I like the kind of mist effect in the background. It's really Yeah. It gives it this really mystical quality. Yeah. It's very ethereal. Yeah. As they often do with Arwen. And, well just elves in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Yeah. And everyone's wearing like the same thing. Everyone's wearing like the same colors in this little processional. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're all right like most of them are riding whiter, like white horses. All these ferns make it look like really fantasy land. Yeah, I think yeah, the, absolutely. Um, the the way that all the elves are dressed similarly and on white horses, it um, because it, it just reminds me of that scene in Fellowship where they see the elves pass through that forest yeah. in the distance. Yeah, and I think this, I'd like to think that this, these are the same place. Yeah, I think this scene is like the most um fae like the elves have been in this trilogy if that makes any sense like yeah that, that makes sense like the that uh, tracks like this scene and the scene with um in fellowship like yeah where they just, just the see procession them. of of these beings yeah they're elegant their posture is perfect mm-hmm. they're it's almost all these beautiful people yeah. yeah like they they are passing through the world but they don't like live here like Mm -hmm. you know yeah they are uh apart from the world yeah in some way because the the world is leaving them behind they used to be like a pure expression of the natural world as it was right but now they are no longer part of the world as it is that's what i'm saying like i think this scene encapsulates like the fae-like quality of tolkien's elves in particular Mm. because i know he drew from folklore and like elves is like Tolkien's elves are different than, like, folklore elves. Yeah. But. Right, like the, was it the, like the, the, the cobbler and the elf, like that sort of stuff. That's yeah, the kind yeah. of elves that are a lot of time are associated with, like, the more, uh, like, fae style lore. Mm-hmm. And th- these mm-hmm. are totally different from that. Right. Uh, like a lot of scenes about Arwen and Aragorn, the this, this stuff was written by Fran and Philippa. Uh, and they, uh, I can't remember which one of them is talking about, uh, agonizing a lot over how they wanted to, uh, cause Arwen to come back, uh, from her, her journey into the West after being convinced by her father to go. Mm -hmm. So they kind of agonized over what it would be. And they kind of, uh, Liv Tyler talks about this a little too, that ultimately the thing that they chose to kind of focus on and get her to turn around was like, her, her uh, femininity 
and like her want to be a mother and like these motherly qualities of Arwen to get her to turn around instead of any other kind of like more I don't want to say like more active decision but that's kind of what it is I just miss fellowship Arwen yeah that 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 sparkling warrior woman yeah goes toe-to-toe with some Nazgul and rides off with Frodo I mean I I think because it's Liv Tyler like there's there's you can't say that that like warrior aspect of Arwen isn't feminine Mm mm-hmm yeah Liv Tyler uses those words to kind of describe things too like this is a this is about her like her womanhood and and not uh other aspects of her character and like uses it in that way to mean like this sort of instinct is feminine as opposed to like other part other things that Arwen does so her her baby clock is ticking yeah I guess (laughs) (laughs) whereas like the and I mean we talked about this when we were doing two tower stuff that some of that warrior Arwen is left over from earlier parts of the script where she was going to show up in Two Towers instead of Haldir. Yeah, yeah. So there was that, which they ultimately scrapped. And I think that's probably a net positive because I think that would have been really jarring from an adaptation perspective, I think, for a lot of people mm-hmm. and might have hurt the success of these movies. Um, I mean, Haldir wasn't supposed to be there anyway. Yeah, but Haldir wasn't supposed to die. Haldir is also a minor character. Yeah. Like a really minor character and they wanted someone that they could kill to show like this the the weight of the battle. So they're just like we just kill this guy. They just bring Arwen to Helm's Deep and, and kill her. <laughs> Plus like if you have Arwen in Helm's Deep, then you don't get the same sort of like Eowyn Aragorn drama and they really wanted that because Eowyn is a really important, like, touchstone character for a lot of people. So they wanted to do her story like as faithfully as they felt like they could. Yeah, but, like, mm. I mean, we talked about this at length yeah. a few weeks ago. Like, the the whole, as, like, faithfully adapting Eowyn's story arc, as far as, like, her becoming free of this, this, um, this weight, uh, and, like, you know, killing the, the Witch King. Um, yeah. That's fine, and I think they accomplished that. But, like, as far as, like, the love triangle stuff, like... I could, I could leave that. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it it doesn't ultimately impact the story all that much. Although, uh, Eowyn kind of growing out, like growing past this, like love triangle feeling, like this, the, this obsession with Aragorn, I mean, not even obsession, like this crush on Aragorn mm-hmm. is like a step in her character progression and like getting past this crush and like accepting more about the world, how it is, is part of her like growing and taking responsibility and becoming the person that defeats yeah. the witch king. Yeah, I guess so. Because like getting past that sort of a crush is also I guess in some ways representative of like outgrowing a certain amount of uh immaturity. But then like why like that would have happened if Arwen showed up. Right, but they I mean they wanted it to be a slower burn obviously yeah. for the Aragorn Arwen thing. I think you lose a lot of the emotional weight of the coronation. If you have an Aragorn Arwen reuni- uh, like reunion before then, like that's a really cathartic moment in the beats of the story, because they've been separated for so long, that it's like it's kind of a fist pump moment to see them we, reunited. We will talk about that in like a year and a half. Yeah. I'm gonna save, I'm gonna save <laughs> my stuff. Okay. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I don't even know if it's a year and a half. It's probably only a year. 
Yeah, something like that. Only a year. Only a year. (laughs) year. (laughs) Only. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, I I think, I mean, reunions are always kind of a tricky thing to write because you have to think about how long you're going to keep them separated and how you keep them connected when separated by distance in the story Mm -hmm. and how often you got to check in. Mm -hmm. It's a tricky thing to do. It is very tricky. That's actually something I'm juggling with my, the, 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 my, like, NaNoWriMo that I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. Because, like, if you do it too soon, then the reunion doesn't have, like, any real emotional payoff. Mm -hmm. And if you take too long and didn't do enough to keep the characters connected, it Mm -hmm. kind of falls flat. Yeah. So, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find a balance. I mean, it, it makes sense structurally that it was always going to happen in the third movie. Oh, yeah, of course. But it's just a matter of how early. But, yeah. Um, let me look at my look at my notes real quick because I had a few more notes for like the middle of the week than I did for other parts of the week because they talk a little bit more about uh, stuff they did when they were writing the story mm-hmm. during this transitional part. Uh, but I think that about covers everything for today. Mm-hmm. Look at us. We stayed on topic two days in a row. I know. Who are we? We're doing good. Doing good. What have we become? <laughs> you got any you got any other thoughts today, Gary? Nothing in particular. Stuff for tomorrow, Just, though. I'm excited. Mm. All right. We, uh, we're we all from the website, DuelingGenre.com. There's a whole bunch of Movies by Minutes podcasts on there. It's Ten or so, give or take. Including Harry Potter Minute. Including Harry Potter Minute. Yeah. Spider-Man Minute. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. Oh, my God. You always say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's because you like, like those movies. I do like those movies. <laughs> There's also Jay and Silent Bob Minute and, and Rocky. Rocky Minute. Back to the Future Minute and Cornetto Minute. There's a whole bunch of them. Go check them so out. So many. Toy Story. Toy Story Minute. Yeah, go check out Toy Story Minute. Those movies are just so, so good. And those two are something else. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh-huh. You think, you think that we have, like, kind of a crazed energy? Oh, go man. Listen, go listen to some of Toy Story Minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Those, uh, those two. They're fun. They're <laughs> fun. Yeah, they're a blast. I always have such a good time recording with them, but also they are a lot sometimes, too. Yeah. It's it's In great. Like it's a good energy way. over there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's all positive. We mean you're a lot to handle in the best way possible. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 39. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.